Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. Who sets the price for medications and other supplies used in hospitals, and why are there shortages of some of these items? Dr. Martin McCary, a surgical oncologist and chief of the Johns Hopkins Islet Transplant Center, along with two co-authors, discussed this issue in a recent article published in JAMA called Group Purchasing Organizations, Healthcare Costs, and Drug Shortages. Dr. McCary is a clinical lead for the Johns Hopkins Sibley Innovation Hub and serves as Executive Director of Improving Wisely, a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation project to lower healthcare costs in the U.S., He serves jointly as a professor of surgery at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and a professor of health policy and management at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. His previous book, Unaccountable, is about patient safety and physician-led transparency efforts in healthcare. His upcoming book, The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare and How to Fix It, is scheduled for release in 2019. So, Dr. McCary, thank you for joining us today on Managed Carecast. Great to you, Allison. So, we're talking today about a viewpoint you wrote in a recent issue of the Journal of the American Medical Association called Group Purchasing Organizations, Healthcare Costs and Drug Shortages. What are group purchasing organizations or GPOs and what are the arguments for and against them? Well, by and large, group purchasing organizations have served a valuable purpose in healthcare to spare individual hospitals the work of contracting and negotiating prices with suppliers. You know, Allison, there's thousands of suppliers now that a hospital will typically work with, given the amount of supplies, devices, and different medications that a hospital will purchase regularly. Rather than get into all that business yourself as an individual hospital, group purchasers have scaled the process and provided economies of scale so that it can be as simple as shopping from a catalog with pre-negotiated prices. So group purchasing organizations are valuable and they serve an important purpose in healthcare. What are the ramifications of these arrangements though? Well, there have been some things that have gone awry in this business. And like many businesses, businesses like market dominance, businesses like a lack of competition, businesses like high prices when consumers are not allowed to shop or when it's difficult to shop. And what we've seen in this industry is a very peculiar arrangement where kickbacks called rebates or administrative fees are paid to the group purchasing organizations for placement in their catalogs, or sometimes exclusive uh, placement in their catalogs, what we call sole supplier contracting. Now, these kickbacks don't make sense to the everyday person, and they don't make sense with the antitrust laws. That's why they violate the antitrust laws, except for the fact that Congress passed a special exemption called the Safe Harbor Exemption to allow for kickbacks in special situations like group purchasing. That, that doesn't sound very good to me as an American. And if you look at how these kickbacks or rebates or administrative fees have been used, they've been used to give certain companies preference 
and increased market share since there are only three GPOs that control over 85% of the market share now in the United States. It's also made innovation very difficult for new inventors in healthcare. If you can't get on those GPO catalogs, either because you can't or don't believe in paying the GPO money as a pay-to-play fee, or you're just not in favor, or you're not uh, chosen by a GPO, it's very difficult for new innovations to come into American hospitals. There's also the issue of drug pricing. Why are drug prices so high in the United States today? Well, we've seen the enormous attention on PBMs or pharmacy benefit managers when it comes to outpatient medications. But when it comes to in-hospital medications, it's the group purchasing organization, which is that middleman or the intermediary with the manufacturers or pharma companies. And they, uh, for PBMs, have been heavily criticized for their pay-to-play fees, aka rebates, kickbacks. Well, in the GPO world, there's the same arrangement. And while the money is much bigger on the outpatient medication side, the inpatient drug pricing side is also affected by these administrative fees. Finally, why do we have critical drug shortages of things that have been around for 50 years? How all of a sudden does heparin or propofol or saline have a massive critical shortage? Well, we are told that it's a problem in the supply chain, that it was a hurricane in Puerto Rico, or it was a factory in China, or it was some piece of the supply chain. But the deeper question that we should be asking is, how did one company develop so much market dominance? And the answer in part can be found in how GPOs operate. Because of the pay-to-play fees, aka rebates, administrative fees, or kickbacks, these manufacturers can develop uh, very high market dominance, either regionally or nationally, to the point where we could have, say, the majority of the country's saline coming from one manufacturer. And when when companies develop market dominance, the supply chain can become more fragile or they can become more dependent on a single factory or supply chain because there's less competition. So when when the there's a critical drug shortage, what happens to those prices? Well, they just go up in the GPO catalog. The manufacturers sometimes really do not pay a financial penalty because of the, the supply and demand laws. That is the rule that when something is more scarce, the price goes up. And so we've seen um, a rash of critical drug shortages in U.S. hospitals. Every doctor, myself included, has been sent emails saying, hey, be judicious about your use of X you know, medication or supply because there is a national shortage. And these drugs have been around for 50 plus years. So we need to ask, how did we get so dependent on an individual supplier? And I think we need to examine these kickbacks that GPOs receive, uh, which are called administrative fees. Now, if you look at all the administrative fees in the United States, it might be $2 billion collectively, roughly. 
that's not a ton of money considering a near $1 trillion expenditure uh, by CMS alone. But what we're seeing are these critical drug shortages. We're seeing individual drug prices surge, and we're seeing sort of regional market dominance in ways that limit competition and sometimes stifle new inventors. So for that reason, I think we need to not just look at PBMs, but we need to look at GPOs. On the consumer side, do these issues with GPOs lead to higher prices for the hospital patient? We've all read stories about the $30 aspirin pill or the $15 Band-Aid. Is this GPO issue where that stems from? Well, many people in this field have asked the question, does a hospital care that much if the GPO price is inflated? That is, is there a financial incentive by the hospital to get a good price on a product? Now, many of us argue yes, because certain services are globally capitated, and in general, they want lower price products. Others have argued that they simply pass on that price to the patient or the, the payer. And if there's a markup on a device, that markup can be greater the higher the price is from the, uh, through the GPO. So some have argued that there's not really that fire to try to get good prices on devices and drugs on the hospital side. I think you'll hear different things from different, from different folks. And I think in reality, the market is mixed, right? Some, in some situations, it's yes, and in some situations, it's not so much. And there's no absolute rule that governs this market. But one thing is that the patients are often stuck with the bill from this problem. They are the ones affected by the critical drug shortages, the higher prices. So it is a problem. You mentioned a voluntary membership association in your article. It's called the Healthcare Group Purchasing Industry Initiative. How many GPOs belong to this group and has it been effective? Well, the vast majority of United States hospitals use a GPO. And GPOs are, serve a valuable purpose. And they save hospitals the cost and expense of negotiating and contracting and shopping around for the best deals. But do you know that when hospitals negotiate around their GPO, which, um, which happens, and it happens frequently. And most hospitals will have some contract where they are negotiating around their own GPO that they're a member of. Um, certain GPOs uh, sort of expect more market exclusivity from the, heart, from the hospital that is purchasing exclusivity, and some do not make that as much of a requirement or an expectation. When a hospital negotiates around their GPO, that is buy something outside of their GPO catalog, the GPO price is the starting price for the negotiation with the manufacturer. That's a common voice that we hear in the market, that when a large health system says, hey, we're, we're, not, we're not convinced that the GPO price is even a good price. We know there's administrative fees, kickbacks, there's market dominance of some of these players. There's, you know, there may or may not be a, a real sort of a going to the mat, if you will, on getting the best price by the GPO. So the hospitals will go around the GPO and negotiate directly with certain manufacturers. And uniformly, it, I'm told, 
that the GPO price is the starting price for that negotiation. That is that is something my team and I have heard over and over again. It makes you wonder if the GPOs are really offering the best price. Now, I personally am a fan of GPOs. I think they serve an important purpose and they can provide some good. But we don't need a special law passed by Congress because of the special interest lobbying to say that they don't have to abide by antitrust, anti-kickback rules. That's where the system has um, gone awry. That's in part what we call the safe harbor exemption from that 1987 law that was passed, giving them the exemption from antitrust laws. That's when we have, that's one of the sort of triggers that have led to a, a money game, if you will, of pay to play, where GPOs have, if you think of it in terms of somebody who has a catalog and goes to a manufacturer and says, hey, do you want good placement in my catalog? Pay me X million dollars. Hey, do you want to be the only manufacturer in the catalog? Pay me, you know, Y million dollars, a much higher figure. Well, how does a manufacturer afford these high fees? They build it into the price of the product. That's the natu natural and rational market response of any consumer in this, uh, in this uh, space. So, w you know, in our research, we found products where most of the price of the product was the, what we believe to be the administrative fee built into the price of the product. And we've seen that before in this whole uh, space. You know, when you look at competition, it needs free market competition. Most businesses, most people in healthcare as a business are trying to do the right thing. But businesses have their own interests separate from the interests of the individuals who run them. Businesses, if you think of them as an interest, like market dominance, um, businesses like monopoly power. So when you have an opportunity to pay, a fee in order to gain market dominance. It's no surprise that some businesses have done that. So legislatively or from a regulatory perspective, what would you recommend? Well, first of all, we need to repeal the 1987 safe harbor exemption to the Sherman antitrust laws that gave GPOs and pharmacy benefit managers an ability to take a payment in exchange for favor in, in placement in their reselling or sort of catalog availability and distribution services to the next person. In other words, a middleman should not be able to charge the manufacturer a fee in order to give them favor in their placement. If there's a fee associated with a GPO, with managing a GPO, with creating the catalogs, with the time and effort that they spend negotiating contracts and negotiating prices, they should be paid for their services. They sh we shouldn't expect GPOs to be volunteer organizations. They should be paid for their services. But charge the hospitals, because the hospitals would be buying products at a lower price if the fees were charged to the hospital rather than the manufacturers. You know, uh, Massimo was one of those innovators out there. Uh, they developed a um, cardiovascular monitor, but they could not get it into a GPO catalog. They then sued and won. 
And the Massimo lawsuit, I think, speaks to the barriers that these pay-to-play fees have created. And we shouldn't be suppressing innovation in healthcare, and we shouldn't be limiting competition. Competition is good for prices. So I think that from our research and from the little that we could filter into the article in JAMA, because there's a lot more on this subject, it's very clear that there's some basic American principles that we need to apply to, to drug pricing and supplying in the in-hospital purchasing world. GPOs should not have an exemption to the anti-kickback laws. We should not have kickbacks in general in healthcare. And we should be promoting innovators and inventors because competition is good for pricing and innovation is good for patients. On a broader, on a broader level, Allison, let's get rid of kickbacks in healthcare. Why, don't, why can't we do this one simple thing? Get rid of all kickbacks in healthcare. We've got to cut through the money games and let the free market govern pricing. Why can pharmacy benefit managers insist that a drug company pays the money in order for good placement? Now, that kickback does not make sense, but because we call it a rebate, all of a sudden people are friendly to the idea or they think it's an act of altruism or generosity where you know the money is really designed to be saved by the patient because it's called a rebate. Where do you experience rebates in your life? And, you know, you go to the supermarket, you have a, you know, you go to buy something and it says $2 instant rebate. That's what we think of as rebates. A rebate is a good thing, right? So when middlemen like PBMs, distributors, GPOs tell manufacturers or drug companies, hey, pay us money and we're going to give you favor and placement or some other type of favor. Don't Let's not call that a rebate. Call, let's call that what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. That's a kickback. Now, the accepted term in the industry is a fee, administrative fee. But let's call a spade a spade in medicine. Healthcare was not designed to be an insider's corporate game of money shenanigans and shell games that allow middlemen to make a ton of money. Healthcare was designed, you know, the heritage of medicine was that of taking care of patients, of goodwill, of charity, of altruism. So, you know, I think one simple thing we can and should do, as speaking as someone who believes that people should make a profit for their work, is that let's just get rid of kickbacks in medicine and make it a clean business. Some would say healthcare should not be a business. It should be a pure charity. I would say let's make let's keep healthcare as a business, but let's make it a clean business. Let's make it a business free of kickbacks. With the change in Congress that's going to happen in January of 2019, do you think this issue will get more attention, specifically GPOs? Because I don't think the general public knows about this as much as, say, the focus that's been put on PBMs. You know, I've talked to members of Congress, and I think the barrier that we have is a messaging barrier. That is that these giant corporate stakeholders have been calling these things rebates and administrative fees 
for a long time. Well, when you call something a rebate, of course people are going to think it's a good thing. If you call it a kickback, then that you know raises question about what's happening. And when I talk to people on the Hill, I generally um, find that they think that rebates are a good thing. Once I explain to them how rebates work with pharmacy benefit managers and GPOs, they say, well, it's pretty clear here, something we should do is just get rid of rebates altogether. You know, most rebates do not get to the patient. Only a fraction of that rebate will get to the patient. When, let's say, a pharma company issues a rebate of 20 bucks, 10 of those dollars could be uh, consumed by the PBM. $4 could be consumed by the distributor, and $1 make it to the patient. So let's call it a spade a spade, it's a kickback. And even though they've messaged it successfully as a rebate, if we can explain to people what's really happening, I think there's uniform and bipartisan consensus that we should get rid of all kickbacks in healthcare. One of the forces you mentioned is having a mitigating effect on all of this is something we're seeing where hospital networks are forming their own purchasing organizations and jumping into the supply chain and they're not using the GPO vendor fee as the starting price. They're just making their own rules. Do you see that trend accelerating? Yeah, we're seeing more and more large hospitals say, hey, why do I need to participate in this GPO? We're a large system we can negotiate our own contracts and our own prices. So we're not only seeing that more and more in healthcare, but we're seeing some of these new startup GPOs try to recruit other hospitals to join in with them. I think the more competition, the better in healthcare. I think the more that we can eliminate intermediaries and have a rational market, the better. Now, not all GPO practices are suspect. And most items on a GPO catalog are well-priced. They're priced using the benefits of bulk discounting, and they are not jacked up because of market dominance and sole supplier contracting. But when you have a single drug, you name it, heparin, propofol, saline, I mean, how do you have a critical shortage of saline in the United States? It's because of a flimsy supply chain when one company gets sort of lazy market dominance, and that is promoted by these pay-to-play fees. Saline is the most common thing in the world. I mean, ele the elements in saline are salt and water. Those are like the two most common molecules in the world on planet Earth. How do we have a critical shortage all of a sudden where we're rationing saline bags? That's where we have to look at competition, monopoly power, and the pay-to-play fees, aka kickbacks, certainly facilitate those issues. Do you see the drug shortage issue that we're seeing now being resolved anytime soon without some sort of action regarding GPOs? It's getting worse. It's getting worse. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that if you just look at my inbox, the number of emails that we get from either hospital leaders or national alerts that there is a national critical shortage anticipated of drug A or drug B. 
uh, I mean, we're seeing this more and more. And it's not just because of pay-to-play fees at the GPO or middleman level. It's because of other practices like we've seen with EpiPen and uh, other companies that uh, like to buy their competitors and then do engage in price gouging. Now, most pharma companies are not doing that. Those are outlier examples. But that w- that's a modern-day business practice, right? I mean, buying your competitor or being the only drug on the market and being sold for $13 when all of a sudden the next day it's 400 bucks. That's a modern-day business practice of price gouging. It's a Wall Street practice. It's a business practice. It's unethical, although it's legal. And because we live in a society that glamorizes wealth more than we've ever seen in the history of the world, we have more and more people that are willing to abandon their personal values and do whatever the market will allow. And so when you have companies buying their competition and jacking up prices, that's one of the drivers of these critical shortages, as well as these um, uh, flimsy supply chains for market dominance. And I understand you have a new book out called The Price We Pay. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, I'm really excited about the book, uh, The Price We Pay. It comes after three years of research visiting 22 American cities, talking to every stakeholder, payers, hospitals, hospital leaders, billing department folks, collections agencies, courthouses, and a lot of patients. And my favorite movie was The Big Short, if you've ever seen that movie. And if you think about the movie The Big Short, it took a very complex subject, right? The financial banking world of credit default swaps and CDOs. And it simplified it in in everyday terms that were relatable so people could understand a very complex industry, even if they knew nothing about financial sector. So I tried to do that with the healthcare system in the book, The Price We Pay, by breaking down all of the money games in healthcare, all the the business models and the way the money flows so that anybody could walk away saying, ah, now I finally understand exactly how it works. And, you know, I have been working in the field of quality and patient safety for a long time. I like positive stories. I like optimism. I personally am very optimistic about our healthcare system. The heroes and the patriots I've met around the country working to disrupt healthcare uh, were the most exciting part of writing this book. And so um, highlighting the positive changes and the people shaking up the business of medicine uh, for the good were the, um, the, was the best part about writing The Price We Pay. And this is coming out in February of 2019, is that correct? Yeah, it'll be coming out, uh, just got posted on Amazon for pre-ordering. And I believe it comes out in bookstores in a couple months. Well, thank you very much for speaking with us today, Dr. McCary. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Allison. To learn more about the role of purchasing decisions in healthcare, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, you can email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.